Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Hippie Christian Who Cares podcast. I am Chrissy Baki. I am the Hippie Christian Who Cares. And I do care, but let's be honest. Who cares what I have to say? I'm just a person in front of a microphone trying to share a little bit of hope and a little bit of Jesus with people I know and love and anybody who will listen. So yay if that's you and thank you. I was struggling a little bit to come up with a topic and usually that starts sort of manifesting almost the following day after I record a podcast. Sometimes it happens, you know, during church on the weekend, but today it was not happening until early morning, and I think a couple things contributed to what ultimately is going to be our topic, and one is just a whole lot going on with, you know, missed field goals and crazy Oscar nominations and lots of snow, lots of ice, lots of super cold. Busted a gut because one of my good friends, Debbie, posted on her Facebook page and she lives in, sometimes she's in Atlanta, most of the time she's in Hilton Head, but she, which is where she is right now. But she says, to all my northern friends, your weather is down here in my yard drunk. I'm going to need you to come down here and get it. Busted a gut at that, like seriously, because it kind of feels so true. In Wisconsin, we are semi-used to it, but I was kind of figuring out winter solstice starts on December 21st, and the spring equinox is March 19th. So as of like noon on Saturday, February 3rd, we are officially midway through winter. And let me just tell you, there's only one way to get through winter blues and winter blahs, and that is going straight to our creator. And I'll give you a trick on how to do it. If you have been a loyal listener, as some of you are, we all know Sister Susie, Cousin Randy, Phyllis, Judy, and Paul, of course. Bob from California. It's been forever since I shouted Bob out. Um, Leah, lots of you. I think there's definitely some listeners that I don't shout out and I apologize. I love you dearly. You know, you can always send me an email, hippiechristianwhocares at gmail.com and say, shout me out and I'll do my best to do it. In fact, I went to write a note on who I should shout out and I forgot it. So it probably was you and just know that it was you and I'm shouting you out right here and now. Anyways, I'm not even sure what my real point was on that. Faithful listeners will know that I am always 
pointing to Jesus. And I, I point to Jesus. I mean, Jesus is our God, God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy spirit. Jesus is God. God is Jesus. God is the Holy spirit. They are this all encompassing God. It's weird and confusing. However, God manifests in human form, coming down as the son of God to show us how to live, how to worship, how to do all the things. And ironically, for my fact-based friends versus my faith-based friends, it is a fact that Jesus Christ quotes the Psalms the most. Of all the scripture, he is grabbing up from the Psalms, which the Psalms are this beautiful book of poetry and songs and prayer And it's amazing how you can take a psalm and really go through it and have it be so meaningful. My mom loved Psalm 34, and now I also think of my friend Judy, who utilizes that psalm often and is just such a great witness to what a psalm can do for a person. And I don't, I don't even know who or what to reference for Psalm 64 this morning. I just know that I saw a verse from it and then looked up the full psalm And that's when the light bulb went off. That and Debbie's post about the drunk weather in her backyard. Hilarious. And I thought winter blues, you know, just middle of winter. Maybe your football team lost. Maybe you wish that the women in Barbie got the Oscar nominations. Maybe you wish there wasn't so much political unrest. But Psalm 64 is a great place to start. So let me just start with the fact that I chose this psalm based on one verse that came across something. I don't know if it was Facebook or the YouVersion Bible app or what it was, um, but it prompted me to read the whole psalm and then it felt relevant to the middle of winter. If you are looking for a psalm for something specific, you might want to Google it up, like Bible Gateway is a good one, or, you know, call a pastor or a priest or somebody knowledgeable, or just kind of look at the content a little bit. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will just point you to what you need to read or hear or study. Little bit of background before I read this, and it's pretty short, is that David is the king and is 
the writer of this particular psalm. It is thought that he may have written it when he was fleeing from Absalom, and Absalom is his son who decides decided he should be the next king and kind of self-promotes, but kind of in a way that's basically like, P.S., I'm going to kill you, Dad. So David like flees momentarily, and out of that fleeing comes a call to God himself. And here's the Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. O my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night, because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. They who seek my life will be destroyed. They will go down in the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God's name will praise him, while the mouths of liars will be silenced. Good stuff, right? So you can do a psalm reading, not a palm reading, a psalm reading any way you want. For me, sometimes I will read it and absorb it and take it in and great. Other times, like today, I just wanted to soak it all in and look at it from a million different ways. Well, maybe not quite a million because I'd still be doing that. But I read through it and then I looked at a couple other translations. And different translations don't technically change the meaning of scripture, but they give it a little bit of a different take. You know, I guess it would be like saying, hey, that person had on yellow pants. Well, all of us listening right now are envisioning different yellows. Maybe your yellow is like a banana yellow. Maybe your yellow is more like sort of that gold yellow or that neon, um, like safety pants yellow. Are there such a thing as safety pants? But you, you, you know what I'm talking about, like what construction workers wear. So that's my point, is that sometimes the translator 
will use a different adjective or sort of try to set it up in a way that might give you a different visual picture. Not to mention, I personally believe, and please note, it's my personal opinion, that when God speaks to us, the reader, through the scripture, we are impacted differently. The way that you think is clearly going to be different than the way that I think. Your circumstances, your DNA, your knowledge, all of the things that make you you are going to affect how you read the scripture. But it absolutely positively is between you and God. And so as you read it, you sort of want to test it to what else God has to say to try to get closer to what maybe God is saying to you because we don't always get it right. And it's amazing how I read something one time and now it feels a little bit different to me. And then I wonder, did I get it right the first time or the second time? Do I still have it right? Do we all have it right? Did Martin Luther have it right? Did all the former theologians, all the popes in the world, did they have it right? Probably pretty close. At least they're head pointing people to Jesus. So we're all in that common ground of believers. But, you know, be open to you might not have it right and be open to I might not have it right. But let's try to look at it together. And so I then just start breaking it apart. So, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry, weary land where there is no water. The first thing is just an admittance that there is a God and that you're accepting of that God and seeking God. I think that's a big deal. Like when we acknowledge that God is a, not a much higher power, that he is the higher, our higher power, our creator, and we are just made in his image. We are not God. That's a big deal. My soul thirsts for you and my body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I think of that as often we acknowledge God when we need him. Maybe we are legitimately hungry and thirsty in need of something physical. Maybe it is in need of health, um, mental health, um, physical health, sickness, addiction, disease, whatever the case may be. Maybe it is our soul is thirsting because we've chased after things that are not God. Maybe we've spent too much time on our hobbies or our, you know, whether it's 
football or television or exercise or, you know, all the things that we do that take us away from God. And so then it's, it doesn't always fill the gap. It doesn't fill the meaningful part of who we are and, and, and who we long for. Verse 3 says, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. David obviously recognizes that God is God. And he also is recognizing what he has seen of God. David started off as a shepherd boy who didn't necessarily have the experience and wisdom that now he does as a king. And this is true of all believers. We acknowledge God and then we experience him in some way. And it is in that moment of our experience that we can recognize his power and glory. And so David is just acknowledging like, I know you are my almighty God. I have like as best as a human can, I have understood that you are powerful, that you spoke and created the world and that you have done miraculous things. And so that's that 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 knowledge that experience that connection that makes you hungry and thirsty for god i think it also shows our complete dependence on god and whether you believe it or not without god we have nothing and we can't survive. He is the very breath that we are breathing. And for that, I think that sort of explains those, the first two verses. Next is the verse that I ran across and it made my heart happy, which I thought, oh, the, you know, let me look up this Psalm a little closer. It says, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. I love that. I have worshipped in settings where it's absolutely cool to raise your hand to the Lord and it feels good. It feels real weird when you're a Lutheran and you're at Lutheran church and not a single person is going to worship that way. So to raise your hand to the Lord would feel a little bizarre. I guess for me, even if I'm feeling like I could do it, I almost wouldn't want somebody to think it's like show-offy because it would be so unusual. I wouldn't really want to make 
anybody uncomfortable or I wouldn't want to throw the pastor off by doing it. But when it sort of maybe more like super contemporary concert Christian situation, I think of like youth gatherings I've been to or when it is a wide variety of denominations who all celebrate a risen Lord Jesus Christ and it's a little bit more free. I get that. Not everybody does. And some people lift up their hands just in their heart. They lift up their heart to the Lord, but they do it because the love of Jesus Christ is better than life. And in our bleak midwinter, we can kind of get that. In fact, like rewind to Christmas, listen to the song, the Christmas Carol in the bleak midwinter. It has kind of a little bit of a somber tone to it, but really, really beautiful because that is when our Jesus comes to us is when we are in our bleak midwinter, when we need him the most, which is every day. We are so sinful and it's unbelievable. And my sin isn't any greater than your sin and your sin isn't any greater than somebody else's. Our sin is sin and that's just it. But Jesus meets us there and his love is better than our human life. And so when we know Jesus, we will have eternal life. And because of that, that's what gives us the opportunity to glorify him with our mouth, to share our happiness, our joy, our forgiveness, our being made clean with others. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. And I don't praise Jesus enough. I'm working on it, and when I am having a moment of stress or frustration, I have started to try, and I say started to try because I don't want to make it sound like I'm like, oh, look at me, I'm doing all this stuff, because... I fail miserably often, but sometimes when I'm frustrated or like I said, just having that, I can't get it right, or this is going wrong, or I'm so angry or whatever, I am like, I just need to give you thanks for this and for this, and I'm grateful and I need your help, and I know that I can't do it on my own. And I need to also go back and give praise and just praise my God for being my God, right? The next verses I think are pretty cool too. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. What's your favorite food? Like I have some weird ones at the top of my list and you guys are going to freak at how weird I am. One of my top favorite things is marshmallows. Not even joking yet. Shouldn't eat them all the time. It's pure sugar, but I, <laughs> I love sugar. And when you 
toast a marshmallow, it's so delicious. When you have melted marshmallows and you add Rice Krispies to them, delicious. When you put marshmallow in like, like surrounded by chocolate and it's a chocolate marshmallow candy, yum. And melted marshmallow in hot cocoa and a s'more, ugh. Like, I love marshmallows, okay? Like, that's a favorite food. And my soul will be satisfied as with a campfire marshmallow. And maybe you're going to put in something different. Maybe you're going to put in, my soul will be satisfied as with lobster and steak. Or fried fish on a Friday night in Wisconsin, even if it is blick the bleak midwinter. Or maybe you're the one who's going to put in like sushi or um, Thai food or Indian food or something super duper hot or super duper sour. But it is that food that probably you shouldn't be eating all the time because you should be drinking more water like I am right now. But sorry about that, everybody. My mouth was getting so dry, but it's true. Our soul is satisfied like our bellies are satisfied in that way that we are so full and it is Jesus's love. And then our response will be with singing lips. My mouth will praise you. So, okay, maybe I don't sing that great, but when I sing to Jesus, he hears it. And let me just tell you, I'm pretty sure I sound like Barbara Streisand or Cheryl Crow, or who, what other, Dolly Parton, or Whitney Houston. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Like, all of a sudden, it's making sense now. Or just Aretha Franklin? Come on. Some of these girl singers. And when I sing praises to Jesus... I think that's what he hears. I think he hears my sincerity. I think he hears my adoration. And luckily he hears that and I don't have to worry about it. But maybe we sing with just our words and without the music that go with it. You know, sometimes... Sometimes when somebody says something to you in just a joyful moment, it's almost like they're singing. Then I think of Elf, but you know, it's just that kind of joyfulness. Then David goes on to say, on my bed, I remember you. And that's that moment when we lay down at night to go to sleep. And whether you're so stressed out or beat or 
anxious or just maybe you do, maybe you're going to read, maybe you're going to watch TV, whatever it is. It's a great time to remember Christ. And for David, he says, on my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. So remember, he's nervous because his son Absalom has gone a little bit crazy and wants to kill him. So when you are worried about things, when you sort of feel like you have to like be on guard, because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you and your right hand upholds me. I get that. I, in my family's ranch house, we had two rooms in our basement and then there was rooms upstairs. And I remember wanting a room in the basement as a middle, no, probably not even a middle school. I think I was a fifth grader thinking I was probably as cool as a middle schooler. And next thing you know, it's like super dark down there. But I do remember at one point, um, my brother came down because I was nervous. And I don't know if it was like there was something going on that just made me nervous or whatever, because usually that wasn't the case. But anytime somebody holds your hand, there's comfort in that. And that was my brother, Eric. So shout out to Eric, who doesn't really listen. But maybe if I say, hey, I shouted you out, he'll listen. I know, Eric, this is kind of a cool podcast. You should probably get on board. Anyways, yeah, he held my hand and comforted me in terms of you don't have to be afraid. It's just dark. You're super safe. You know, we have a God who is big, who will always take care of you. And it was cool. I think of lots of times that my mom held my hand and times when I even held my dad's hand and he was a big old Marine. And so he wasn't like super um, touchy feely until he got old. And then he was just all about um, showering the love on us, which was super cool. I loved that about him in his older age. It's like he lost that um, candy shell and was just the big chocolate M&M. Anyways, that is the point in this psalm is that we can have that moment, whether it's evening or morning, to reflect on God, to know that he is our help. And that is why our soul is so attracted to him. And then that visual of him holding on to us. So then I think David gets a little confidence knowing that God is his help and that his right hand upholds him. And so in verse 9, it says, They who seek my life will be destroyed. They will go down in the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. So he's being pursued by Absalom and 
the men who are after him to kill him because they want Absalom to be king. But he knows that if God is for us, who, who can be against us? And I think it's in Peter where it says, um, lions can destroy your body, but they can't take your soul. Like anybody can actually kill somebody, right? But if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, they are not going to destroy your soul. And sometimes they won't take your life. Sometimes God does intervene and does save you from that. And how does he pick when and why and who and where and all that kind of stuff? I don't know. I just know that the trust in God leads to all kinds of goodness and protection and confidence that it is a God who takes you from this life to the next and makes you perfect and forgives us on a daily basis, making us perfect. And so for that, verse 11 says, but the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God's name will praise him while the mouths of liars will be silenced. David is proclaiming that in his kingship, as the leader of his country and people, he chooses God. He is going to be one of the people who swear by God's name and meaning full faith in who God is and will praise him. And those who don't will eventually be silenced. To deny Christ eventually leads to Christ saying, I don't know you because you don't know me. Like I stretched out my arms and died for all. All anybody has to do is just accept that gift. And when you do, you swear by that name, you praise that name, and you know that that's what your soul clings to. That is the help that we get from God because his love is better than life. So there you have it. In 11 verses, a cure for the winter blues. And let me just tell you, if this Psalm 63 didn't do anything for you, there is 150 Psalms that you can read. And surely one of those will appeal to you. 
they don't necessarily build on each other. They're not all written by David. I believe some of them are written by Solomon. Some might be unknown. They usually um, start in most Bibles, you know, with kind of a little bit of a nod to who it may have been written by. Can do a little research on that. I read Psalm 64 this morning in the NIV, which is what I read to you, New um, International Version. I read it in the message, which was cool. I read it in um, the New American NABRE, can't remember what it stands for, um, edition, and that was cool. And then I also read it in the King James Version, very thee and thou, which was kind of awesome too. Um, I also looked at a book called Psalms Now. It's written by a pastor. His name is Leslie Brandt. And he basically took Psalms and wrote it as it applied to him in his life and his sort of translation, which is cool. I would suggest doing that sometime. Take like, you know, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. Like, hey God, I know you're real and I'm looking for you. So do, uh, that's just another way to study a Psalm is to read it and rewrite it in your own words, um, or read it and write what it means to you, read it and draw or paint what it means to you, read it and make music to what it means to you, read it and discuss it with a friend, all kinds of things, read it as though you're praying right to God. God loves it when we take his word and share it back with him to say, I hear what you're saying, dad, and I am getting it, or at least I think I am, and direct me in ways that will help me understand it more. I think it's so cool, and there's so many really, really amazing psalms to look at. So as of Saturday, we got, what, like 44 more days of winter? And I know if you live in Wisconsin, you're going to say, oh, we got more than that. Because, you know, winter weather kind of creeps into spring a little bit. But somehow that 44-day mark gives us a little bit of hope, right? It's not quite the same hope that you find in Jesus Christ. Not the same hope that you find in the words written by God, inspired by God for you to hear. And so now I'm going to just take that last psalm and the last verse of the psalms, mosh it up with the Psalm 63 that we've been talking to, and I think we've got a perfect end of this podcast, which is, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. Psalm 150, verse 6. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 
We've got these winter blues because we've got Jesus. See you next week.